0: Chapter 3 of Master Zacharias by Jules Verne This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Strange Visit Poor Durand would have lost her life with that of her father had it not been for the thought of Aubert, who still attached her to the world. The old watchmaker was, little by little, passing away his faculties evidently grew more feeble as he concentrated them on a single thought. By a sad association of ideas, he referred everything to his monomania, and a human existence seemed to have departed from him to give place to the extra-natural existence of the immediate powers. Moreover, certain malicious rivals revived the sinister rumors which had spread concerning his labors, the news of the strange derangements which his watches betrayed had a prodigious effect upon the clockmakers of Geneva. What signified this sudden paralysis of their wheels, and why these strange relations which they seemed to have with the old man's life? These were the kinds of mysteries which people never contemplate without a secret terror. In the various classes of the town, From the apprentice to the great lord, who used the watches of the old horologist, there was no one who could not himself judge of the singularity of the fact. The citizens wished, but in vain, to get to see Master Zacharias. He fell very ill, and this enabled his daughter to withdraw him from those incessant visits which had degenerated into reproaches and recriminations. Medicines and physicians were powerless in the presence of this organic wasting away, the cause of which could not be discovered. It sometimes seemed as if the old man's heart had ceased to beat. Then the pulsations were resumed with an alarming irregularity. A custom existed in those days of publicly exhibiting the works of the masters the heads of the various corporations sought to distinguish themselves by the novelty or the perfection of their productions. And it was among these that the condition of Master Zacharias excited the most lively, because the most interested, commiseration. His rivals pitied him the more willingly, because they feared him the less. They never forgot the old man's success, when he exhibited his magnificent clocks with moving figures, his repeaters which provoked general admiration, and commanded such high prices in the cities of France, Switzerland, and Germany. Meanwhile, thanks to the constant and tender care of Girond and Aubert, his strength seemed to return a little, and in the tranquility in which his convalescence left him, He succeeded in detaching himself from the thoughts which had absorbed him. As soon as he could walk, his daughter lured him away from the house, which was still besieged with dissatisfied customers. Aubert remained in the shop, vainly adjusting and readjusting the rebel watches. And the poor boy, completely mystified, sometimes covered his face with his hands, fearful that he, like his master, might go mad. Durand led her father toward the more pleasant promenades of the town. With his arm resting on hers, she conducted him sometimes through the quarter of St. Antoine, the view from which extends towards the Colony Hill and over the lake. On fine mornings they caught sight of the gigantic peaks of Mount Buet against the horizon. Durand pointed out these spots to her father, who had well-nigh forgotten even their names, his memory wandered, and he took a childish interest in learning anew what had passed from his mind. Master Zacharias leaned upon his daughter, and the two heads, one white as snow and the other covered with rich golden tresses, met in the same ray of sunlight. So it came about that the old watchmaker at last perceived that he was not alone in the world, as he looked upon his young and lovely daughter and on himself, old and broken. He reflected that after his death, she would be left alone without support. Many of the young mechanics of Geneva had already sought to win Geron's love, but none of them had succeeded in gaining access to the impenetrable retreat of the watchmaker's household. It was natural then that during this lucid interval the old man's choice should fall on Albert Toon. Once struck with this thought, he remarked to himself that this young couple had been brought up with the same ideas and the same beliefs, and the oscillations of their hearts seemed to him as he said one day to Scholastique, I saw Crinus. The old servant, literally delighted with the word, though she did not understand it, swore by her holy patron saint the whole town should hear it within a quarter of an hour. Master Zacharias found it difficult to calm her, but he made her promise to keep on this subject a silence which she was never known to observe. So, though Gironde and Aubert were ignorant of it, all Geneva was soon talking of their speedy union. But it also happened that, while the worthy folk were gossiping, a strange chuckle was often heard, and a voice saying, Gerond will not wed Albert. If the talkers turned round, they found themselves facing a little old man who was quite a stranger to them. How old was this singular being? No one could have told. People conjectured that he must have existed for several centuries, and that was all. His big, flat head rested upon shoulders, the width of which was equal to the height of his body. This was not above three feet. This personage would have made a good figure to support a pendulum, for the dial would have naturally been placed on his face, and the balance wheel would have oscillated at its ease in his chest. His nose might readily have been taken for the style of a sundial, for it was narrow and sharp. His teeth, far apart, resembled the cogs of a wheel and ground themselves between his lips. His voice had the metallic sound of a bell. You could hear his heartbeat like the tick of a clock. This little man, whose arms moved like the hands on a dial, walked with jerks without ever turning round. If anyone followed him, it was found that he walked a league an hour, and that his course was nearly circular. This strange being had not long been seen wandering, or rather circulating, around the town, but it had already been observed that, every day, at the moment when the sun passed the meridian, he stopped before the cathedral of St. Pierre, and resumed his course after the twelve strokes of noon had sounded. Excepting at this precise moment he seemed to become a part of all the conversations in which the old watchmaker was talked of, and people asked each other, in terror, what relation could exist between him and Master Zacharias. It was remarked, too, that he never lost sight of the old man and his daughter while they were taking their promenades. One day, Gerond perceived this monster looking at her with a hideous smile. She clung to her father with a frightened motion.
1: What is the matter, my Drond?
0: asked Master Zacharias. I do not know, replied the young girl.
1: But thou art changed, my child. Art thou going to fall ill in thy turn? Ah, well,
0: he added with a sad smile.
1: Then I must take care of thee and I will do it tenderly.
0: Oh, father, it will be nothing. I am cold, and I imagine that it is... What, drawn? The presence of that man who always follows us, she replied in a low tone. Master Zacharias turned towards the little old man. Faith, he goes well. "'said he with a satisfied air. "'For it
1: is just four o'clock. "'Fear nothing, my child. "'It is not a man.
0: "'It is a clock.' Geront looked at her father in terror. "'How could Master Zacharias read the hour "'on this strange creature's visage?' "'By the by,' continued the old watchmaker, "'paying no further attention to the matter.
1: "'I have not seen Albert for
0: several days.' He has not left us, however, father, said Gerond, whose thoughts turned into a gentler channel. What is he doing, then? He is working. Ah,
1: cried the old man, he is at work repairing my watches, is he not? But he will not succeed, for it is not repair they need, but a resurrection.
0: Gerond remained silent. I must know, added the old man,
1: if they have brought back any more of those
0: accursed watches upon which the devil has sent this epidemic. After these words, Master Zacharias fell into complete silence, till he knocked at the door of his house, and for the first time since his convalescence, descended to his shop while Geron sadly repaired to her chamber. Just as Master Zacharias crossed the threshold of his shop, one of the many clocks suspended on the wall struck five o'clock. Usually, the bells of these clocks, admirably regulated as they were, struck simultaneously, and this rejoiced the old man's heart. But on this day the bells struck one after another, so that for a quarter of an hour the ear was deafened by the successive noises. Master Zacharias suffered acutely. He could not remain still, but went from one clock to the other and beat the time to them like a conductor who no longer has control over his musicians. When the last had ceased striking, the door of the shop opened, and Master Zacharias shuddered from head to foot to see before him the little old man who looked fixedly at him and said, Master, May I not speak with you for a few moments? Who are you? asked the watchmaker abruptly. A colleague. It is my business to regulate the sun. Ah, you regulate the sun, replied Master Zacharias eagerly, without wincing.
1: I can scarcely compliment you upon it. Your sun goes badly. And in order to make ourselves agree with it, we have to keep putting our clocks forward so much, or back so much.
0: And by the cloven foot, cried this weird personage. You are right, my master. My sun does not always mark noon at the same moment as your clock's. But some day it will be known that this is because of the inequality of the earth's transfer, and the mean noon will be invented, which will regulate this irregularity.
1: Shall I live till then?
0: asked the old man with glistening eyes. Without doubt, replied the little old man, laughing. Can you believe that you will ever die? Alas,
1: I am very ill now.
0: Ah! Let us talk of that. Bye, Beelzebub. That will lead to just what I wish to speak to you about. Saying this, the strange being leaped upon the old leather chair and carried his legs one under the other after the fashion of the bones which the painters of funeral hangings cross beneath death's head. Then he resumed in an ironical tone. Let us see, Master Zacharias. What is going on in this good town of Geneva? They say that your health is failing and that your watches have need of a doctor. Ah,
1: do you believe that there is an intimate relation between their existence
0: and mine? Cried Master Zacharias. Why, I imagine that these watches have faults, even vices. If these wantons do not preserve a regular conduct, it is right that they should bear the consequences of their irregularity. It seems to me that they have need of reforming a little. What do you call
1: faults?
0: asked Master Zacharias, reddening at the sarcastic tone in which these words were uttered.
1: Have they not a right to be proud of their origin?
0: Not too proud, not too proud, replied the little old man. They bear a celebrated name, and an illustrious signature is graven on their cases, it is true, and theirs is the exclusive privilege of being introduced among the noblest families. But for some time, they have got out of order, and you can do nothing in the matter, Master Zacharias, and the stupidest apprentice in Geneva could prove it to you. To
1: me? To me,
0: Master Zacharias cried the old man with a flush of outraged pride. To you, Master Zacharias, you who cannot restore life to your watches.
1: But it is because I have a fever, and so have they also,
0: replied the old man as a cold sweat broke out upon him. Very well, they will die with you, since you cannot impart a little elasticity to their springs. Die. No, for you yourself have said it. I
1: cannot die. I, the first watchmaker in the world, I, who by means of these pieces and diverse wheels have been able to regulate the movement with absolute precision, have I not subjected time to exact laws, and can I not dispose of it like a despot? Before a sublime genius had arranged these wandering hours regularly, in what vast uncertainty was human destiny plunged? At what certain moment could the acts of life be connected with each other? But you, man or devil, whatever you may be, have never considered the magnificence of my art which calls every science to its aid. No, no. I, Master Zacharias, cannot die, for I have regulated time. Time would end with me. It would return to the infinite whence my genius has rescued it, and it would lose itself irreparably in the abyss of nothingness. No, I can no more die than the creator of this universe that submitted to his laws. I have become his equal. I have partaken of his power. If God has created eternity,
0: Master Zacharias has created time. The old watchmaker now resembled the fallen angel, defiant in the presence of the Creator. The little old man gazed at him and even seemed to breathe into him this impious transport. Well said, Master, he replied. Beelzebub had less right than you to compare himself with God. Your glory must not perish. So your servant here desires to give you the method of controlling these rebellious watches.
1: What is it? What is
0: it? cried Master Zacharias. You shall know on the day after that on which you have given me your daughter's hand.
1: My Geron. Herself. My daughter's
0: heart is not free, replied Master Zacharias, who seemed neither astonished nor shocked at this strange demand. Bah! She is not the least beautiful of watches, but she will end by stopping also.
1: My daughter, my Gerond,
0: no. Well, return to your watches, Master Zacharias. Adjust them and readjust them. Get ready the marriage of your daughter and your apprentice. Temper your springs with your best steel. Bless Aubert and pretty Gerand, But remember, your watches will never go, and Gerond will not wed Aubert. Thereupon the little old man disappeared, but not so quickly that Master Zacharias could not hear six o'clock strike in his breast. End of chapter 3.